Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. You got a Bible? I did Sterling College, this chapel on Friday, and the campus pastor said, you know, they don't bring Bibles. Okay. And I said, so it's like church? How many of you got an iPhone? Got an iPhone? Then you got a Bible. You can open up the Bible. You can follow along with me. I want you to stand with me this morning. I'm going to read out of John's Gospel, the 8th chapter. I'm going to read about 11 verses here. And so John chapter 8, we got a big Bible. We'll put it up on the screen. Uh, if you got it on your phone, you can highlight, you can open and turn some pages even. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using the question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with a finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and rode on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. Say, go away. The older ones first until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and answered her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Father, I pray this morning that we would recognize that you do not condemn us. I pray this morning that we would go free from those that would accuse. I pray this morning we would break through the lies of performance into the realities of your mercy. I ask it in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to teach into that story, but now my assignment the last several weeks has been to talk about how Christ is reforming you. He's restoring you. And Paul sums this up in Galatians chapter 4, and he said, I've been laboring or travailing in birth again that Christ be formed in you. It's one of my strong beliefs that the culture around us many times shapes and molds us to where we look more like the culture than we do the kingdom of God. And Paul picks up this narrative and he says, there's Christ in you, the anointing, the son of the living God who is on the inside and he's forming you from the inside out. All of us were created in the image of God. In fact, Paul will say in another place, you've been destined to be conformed to the image. And so all of us were created with that reality that we were made in the image and the likeness of the Lord. Every Sunday, or most generally every Sunday night, I sit around a table, and uh, there's four kids at that table that are my children and Annie's children, and, and uh, uh, you, you know, they can't help but escape it. They're like us. They're, they're like us. And I, every once in a while, they, they don't want to be like us, but they're like us. Uh, I mean, I, I listen to them talk to their children, and I think, uh-huh, they're like us. I, I watch their, and they have these virtues, these habits that reflect their mom and dad, even to the point of embarrassing themselves at times. 
and yet none of them look like me. Not a one of them. They have their own identity. In fact, one of my pet peeves is when people say, well, they're, they're like their Aunt Beth. No, no. You see, we fail to understand so many times that to be like someone is not to lose one's identity. To be like someone doesn't mean you stop being yourself. Each one of you were fearfully, wonderfully, uniquely made in the image of God, meaning that you contain the virtues, you contain the potentiality, you contain the essence of, in some ways, the energies of, but you still look like you on the outside. And yet, on the inside, the Christ, the anointing, the Holy Spirit comes to form or to release those potentialities that are down on the inside of you. Paul talks about you being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that, that word transform means that the caterpillar becomes a butterfly. There's a better version of us, right? There's a completed version of us. We, we're not just to remain in this state. There are other states, phases, other realities. And, and Christ comes inside of us to form and release this higher version of ourselves. And if we don't surrender to that Christ that's renewing us, restoring us, and really telling us a better story about ourselves. And Paul seems to be really overwhelmed, if you will, just really focused. 140 times, he says, in Christ. 140 times in Christ. And the context of Galatians 4 is found in Galatians 1 when he makes these statements that he says, there are those among you that trouble you, perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. So his context is, listen, you're living in a culture that has twisted the gospel in such a way that it troubles you. And he, said, he goes on, he says, I don't want you tricked by another gospel. And he specifically is talking about people who believe you have to keep the law in order to know the Christ. That's his specific thing. So he's not talking to the pagan world. He's talking to the religious world. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to people that keep the law and do everything they're supposed to do. and Don't do what they're not supposed to do. They're Pharisees. Can I tell you that today you don't need to be worried about what the world does with the gospel. You need to be aware that inside the church world... The gospel has been perverted. And that's why it doesn't have the effect that it should have. The question that was asked of me nearly 20 years ago now is what does an authentic expression of Christianity look like? Well, it does not look like a mix of law and grace. It does not look like this mixture of 33,000 denominations and however many doctrines. The gospel, the faith, was handed to us, and the purity of it is unmerited grace, unmerited favor. It is a gift to you. It is not something that you initiate or earn or achieve. It is something you receive by the finished work of Jesus Christ. And if that gets perverted, St. Paul says you should be accursed. You should be emasculated. You should be thrown away. And what I realize at 64, almost years old, is that I live in a culture of the church world, in our case, America West, that has so perverted the gospel that the power of gospel has been removed. And it's that power that will reform you and rechange you. But you have to be willing to confront the limiting belief systems that we have been given. You have to be willing to confront those ideas of God that are not God. 
And I realize this is not comfortable for people that like religious ideals. I've got to tell you, I've had more people stand in my face tell me, you can't teach it like that. Yes, I can. He did, and I will. It is raw grace. It is raw love. He loves you unconditionally, irrevocably, and undeniably. And when you can get to that center, I'm telling you, you're close to a breakthrough. And Paul said, I'm laboring in birth again. That the gospel of Christ would reshape your thinking, reshape your living, reshape your speech. That you would become all and together like the Christ. For Christ in you can do all things. And what Christ has begun in you, he will complete. But to be able to look into our lives and find, and I'm stealing Katie's language, find that shadow gospel. Find that gospel that runs down on the inside that really isn't the gospel. That convicts us and constrains us and restricts us. We don't even know they were putting it there, but they were putting it there. Or you were putting it there. And the big lie, the big one, the foundational one is when the accuser of the brethren, when the devil, when slithers into the garden and walks up to Adam and Eve and goes, did God say? And suggests to us that God is holding out. Suggests to us that maybe God's not as good as we thought he was. And maybe he's trying to hold something from us, keep something back. Did God say? The accuser of the brethren that slips into your marriage and raises suspicions about your spouse. The accuser of the brethren that slips in and raises suspicions about your friendships. The accuser of the brethren that raises suspicions in you about yourself. You see that that thing that comes in and begins to make you question the grace and the goodness and the entity that we call God. And it's in that atmosphere that then he can say, well, if you would go get that apple, then you'll be and you'll be like God. And catch the lie there. The lie is, is that you're already like God. Every one of you. You're already created in the image and the likeness of God. You're spiritually alive. But, but you're about two days old. You see, the reality of it is, is that God created Adam and Eve and they were spiritually immature. And all the values of who God is, is inside of Adam and Eve. But he said, I'm going to be your father and I will mentor you into the reality of what it means to be an adult spiritual being. So I want you to walk in faith with me, Adam and Eve, as I develop and as you mature. Listen, you don't hand the keys to, a, to an F-150 to a five-year-old. Not if you have half a brain. You don't handle, hand a, a child a gun. You, you don't. Now, it may be theirs, but you don't let them use it without you helping them to mature. And most Christians who get angry with God are Christians who haven't allowed God to shape, mold them, and mature them into this place where now then they could, Adam and Eve were impatient. They wanted to bypass the process of parenting. How many of you ever had a 13-year-old act like they were 25? Right? They've acted like it. And you've had to go, no, no, no. And they, you're, you're, you're mad at me. You're holding me back. You're not being, no, 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 no. I, I'm loving you and I'm protecting you and I'm guiding you and I'm trying. This is the fall. 
And in the gospel story, in Genesis, you reach out and he grabs the apple, he eats the apple, and then he realizes it didn't work. It didn't work. And if it didn't work, and it must be working for all of you, because all of you have got it all together. Everybody in the church has got it all together. Smile. See, I, I don't know what your problem is. I'm feeling great. I'm doing great. I prayed last night. I prayed this morning. I I'm, I can, and you're going, I feel like crap. Must be my fault. Must be me. I must be the one that's wrong. It just, so, now, I'm, and many people get frustrated then with the faith. Why? Because the accuser of the brethren raised suspicions and lied to us about the process whereby we mature. That's the big lie. And that's when you fall into trouble. Well, I ate my green beans, but I still didn't marry a pretty wife. Right? I went to church. I got baptized. I've done all this. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't run with folk that do. And my life still stinks. See, it, that's because there's no such thing as a formula that Huh, no, it's, it's all about receiving the grace of God and then trusting Him and following Him into the fullness of that reality. And most of us have been raised to think that we could add something to our journey. And the truth of the matter is you have to rest and relax and allow God to develop that reality inside of you. And so Paul comes along and he begins to say, listen, it, it's not about that. It's about seriously facing who you are in Christ and allowing Him to shape and mold you back into this reality of who He created you to be. And Paul goes on in my, one of my favorite verses. I better be careful. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13. If you can give that to me on the screen, I really appreciate it. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. Now, that verse has been, if I'm out of my mind, out of control, last Sunday was a little, if I'm out, it's God's fault. Why? Second verse, verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. The great word there for compel is it fevers me. Have you ever had a fever? You see, fevered, infected. For the love of Christ compels us that if one because we are convinced that if one died for all, therefore all died. See, Paul was a dude that kept all the rules. He was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. He knew how to do everything right. But when he was met with the unconditional love of God, it undid him. In other words, all these things that I do and I don't do matter nothing. The only thing that matters is that God so loved the world that He died to reveal His love to me. That it's not what I do, but it's what He has done. All of a sudden, the rug of performance is stripped out from under you. Everything that's solid is now because it's all dependent upon Him. I, there's no apple for me to get. There's nothing for me to do but just to receive this love. And to receive it in the knowledge that I don't deserve it, I can't earn it. And if that be true, all of a sudden I cannot expect, well, I can't, well, you're not the source of me being unhappy. Mm. It will completely mess you up. It messed me up about 40 years ago. It's had me messed up ever since. This love of God compels me that I cannot acquire, accomplish, or achieve what it means to be loved by God. For if He died for one, 
He died for all. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God and who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ has given us this ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed unto us this ministry of reconciliation. Wow. My job is no longer to point out where you fall short. My job is no longer to point out what I think you ought to be doing or what anybody else ought to be doing. My job is to stand before you and say, I have been forgiven by the grace of God for everything that I've done, and so have you. And thus we are reconciled and united to one another as two sinners that have been saved simply by grace and walking out this reality about how God works in you, both the will and to do His good pleasure, and what He has started in you, He will bring to completion. And I have to trust that He's God with you and not me. And can I tell you something? That is not what's preached in the American church. The American church says you can join our group if you do this and if you don't do that. The American church says you can belong as long as you live up to my standard and my opinion. And I'm telling you something, that is being ripped out from under the American Western church. And when it does, we will go free. I have spent my life on this message. I have spent my life on the reality that Christ forming you is to let go of trying to allow the law and you keeping it do the formation. But to allow the intimacy, to allow the intimacy of being united with God begin to shape and form me to where it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives within me. And I can do all things now through the Christ that strengthens me. And as the Hebrew writer said, we are to become partakers of the very nature of God, that we participate in the nature of God. You do realize He came and became human, that you could become like God. To understand that salvation is when we are so gathered together and united that we become so one with Him that you can't separate us, because nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's scary. Nothing. He'll never kick you out. He'll never throw you down. He's never frowning at you. He never woke up one morning and said, I am done with you. Get out of my life. He'll never do that. He'll never do that. This is the gospel. This is the gospel that's forming us on the inside. That that causes us to be so joined together that it changes our name. It changes everything about us. I am compelled every Easter to recover the true message of the Christ that's revealed to us through the cross. And so I'm going to give you these four sides. I'm going to talk to you about the culture of the kingdom. I'm going to talk to you about the culture of what the people of God should live. Number one, 2 Corinthians goes on to say, hmm, I'm sorry, Romans, so I'm, I'm there. There is therefore now no How many of you know the verse? There is therefore now no. There is therefore now. Say say it again. No condemn. What would it be like to live in a world in which you were never condemned? What would it be like to live in a culture where there was never a judgment? Never a test. Never a question of who you are or how God loves you. There, see, the flesh wants to judge. The flesh wants to compare. The flesh wants to evaluate 
each other. For I know him no longer in the flesh. See, the flesh is not what you think. Don't walk in the flesh. We don't smoke drunk. You're judging now. No, no, no. The flesh wants to compare. The flesh wants to condemn. The flesh wants to say, well, I'm not like that. Thank God I'm not like that. There is in the kingdom of God, no, say with me, I am not condemned. I'm not being judged. I'm not being evaluated. That's why the gospel that I read is so profound. Where are those that condemn you? They're not here. You know why? Because everyone standing there knew they were a sinner. Everyone standing there, those righteous, holier than thou, they know. Come on. I remember a number of years ago I started an experiment and that was, good morning saints and sinners. I had three families leave the church. We are not sinners. I thought, you need church. Because they can't hand the reality that, can I promise you something? You're going to walk out of here and mess up. Some of you are messing up right now because you're judging me that you don't like the gospel that I'm preaching. But the truth of the matter is, we are sinners saved by grace. There's no one in here that's perfect. But you know what those Pharisees knew? They knew they couldn't throw the rock because they knew they were sinners. Every one of them knew they couldn't throw the rock. Where are your? No one, Lord. Who condemns you? No one, Lord. Well, neither do I. Can I tell you something? The only person in this little story that could throw a rock was he who is without sin. And guess what he did not do? Throw a rock. If Christ is in me, he ain't throwing rocks. Am I making any sense yet? And here's the kicker. If God's not going to condemn me, why did I condemn the way I looked this morning in the mirror? Why did I wake up this morning feeling less than I am? Why did I wake up this morning feeling like I had done something? My emotions don't line up with the truth. Am I making any sense? And when your emotions don't line up with the truth, then something has happened or you have happened. And now you're living out of this thought that maybe you were done wrong or you did wrong. Or you... In the kingdom of God, there is therefore now no condemnation. Now, can I tell you, I spent 10 years trying to figure this out. I still wake up in the morning and go, no, 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 I'm not condemned. No, 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 no. Say no. Just say no to the drug of judgment. Just say no to the condemnation you lay on yourself. Just say, let me put it this way. You will never, right thinking will never give you right living. But right living might give you, in other words, if you develop a habit where you're saying yes to God. Listen, I don't get up every morning and pray because I think I have to pray in order to get anything from God. I get up every day and pray to remind myself that I'm like God. Right living will lead to right thinking. Right thinking will never lead to right living. If it did, the Pharisees would have got it. They didn't get it. I have to live in this expressed reality that I am one who has not been condemned. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, who live in this reality that Christ lives in me. And that that is the hope 
of the glory of God that I've been so united with Him that I don't think I need to add that apple. I don't think I need to add that. You see, this isn't just true for religion. It's true for all the materialistic things that are out there. I, I'm completed in Christ. I'm one with Christ. I may be a child that needs the Father to continue to mentor me into the realities of what that is, but I am one that's loved by God. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Only me. The only person in this story that could have condemned her refused. Then why don't I agree? Why don't I agree? To say that you deserve to be judged or condemned, and it's couched in Christianese language. Well, you just reap what you sow. No, you do not. Because if I reap what I sow, I'm going to hell. He comes to give me crop failure. He comes so that I don't reap what I sow. He comes to give me grace that makes the failure fail. And that I receive what he has sown. That I receive his reward. But we subtly play. Well, you just reap what you sow. And we put people under the consequences of their own behavior. And the cross challenges that. And says, I will take the consequences of your behavior. And I'll give you the rewards of mine. That's the cross. And if you diminish the cross, you diminish the gospel. Just, but, but pastor, it's dangerous to teach that because you give people a license. They don't need a license. They've been breaking the law for a long time. Yeah, yeah but how are we going to control them? You're not. Yeah, but what, what are we going to do? Love Jesus. Yeah, but that's scary. I know. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. Yes. To have the guts to receive this. And I'm telling you, it took guts for Paul to say, oh, it's Jesus and nothing but Jesus. There's no law that needs to be added to this. Have bacon. Go ahead. Eat bacon. Peter, what's the matter with you? Don't you like bacon? Everything's better with bacon ice cream. Have you ever had bacon ice cream? I love bacon ice cream. You're thinking now. Say it again. I am not condemned. No condemnation. My second point. 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. They're trying to figure out where I'm at with the slides. 1 John 3, verse 21. Beloved, if your heart condemns us not, then... We have confidence towards God. Have you ever suffered from a lack of confidence? The root of that is you're condemning yourself. For if your heart does not condemn you, you have confidence. If this morning you, you're in your heart, you're going, thank you, Jesus, you haven't condemned me. And you already know you're a... Then now it's, oh my God. If your heart does not condemn you. Have you ever seen, come on, St. Peter's? Is anybody watching basketball at all? I mean, you know, I was in a real dilemma the other night. Thank God for that little button that says previous. 
because I'd watch KU and then I'd hit previous and go over and watch St. Pete's. Can I, ha- I had more fun watching the Peacocks than I did the Jayhawks. Some of you are going, what? This little bitty school in Jersey City, New Jersey that's got 2,100 students is now the first team that ever make it to the Elite Eight when they're ranked 15. You know why? Because they got confidence. Because their coaches tell them, you can take down Goliath. I get excited about seeing people find confidence in themselves to the degree that this little bitty short team beat two seven-footers. That's cool. I mean, the seven-foot dude, you know, have you ever met somebody seven-foot? They just stand out of the basket and go like this. I mean, you know. And here's these little guys jumping off the floor like this. Why? Because they didn't think they could lose. Everybody else thought they would lose, but they didn't think they could lose. They had confidence. You know why they had confidence? Because they got a coach that played for Seton Hall who wasn't supposed to win anything about 20 years ago. And he kept telling, oh, yes, we can. We can. I can do all things through who strengthens with the anointing inside of me. I have that factor, right? Just that insurmountable, this confidence. Look at your neighbor and say, we need confidence. If we're not condemned, we should be confident. Hmm. See, if you know you're not condemned, then no matter what's going on, you're confident that Christ is faithful. You sang it a few minutes ago. This confidence that helps us. Philippians 1, 6 says, bring confidence of this very thing, that he who began something in you will complete it. This confidence that Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 says, do not cast away your confidence because it has great reward. Verse 39 But we belong to those who do not shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And in that great verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 in the NIV says, Now faith is the... Let me take and give you just a linguistic change. Faith is confidence. Confidence is faith in the one that has promised never to leave you nor forsake you. To always be with you. Faith, confidence, same thing. To have confidence today that the God that gave his life for you will not withhold anything from you. That all things are possible to people who have confidence that Christ in me. This is the gospel. And I never earned it, I don't deserve it. It's still a gift. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. I'm secure, contrary to what religion would like to preach to you. I'm secure in the fact that He chose me and called me His friend. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. And can I tell you, what you're really thinking about, yeah, but if that be true, I know some jerk over there, and that jerk is a jerk. And you mean God loves him the same way He loves me? Yes, He does. He loves every jerk in this room, including you. It's true. It's true. It's so good that people are trying to tweak it so good that it can't be if I'm out of my, you're out of your mind pastor to believe that God would forgive and continue to love sinners and give them the confidence to believe that's the gospel unmerited favor nothing added Hmm. say with me free of condemnation filled with his confidence hmm And when you do, you can understand what St. Jude is saying when he says, I was writing to you and I decided I should talk to you about contending for the faith. Contending. Do you you know, I've had to contend for the faith. The authentic faith. 
The faith that was without works. The faith that didn't require me to achieve, but simply called me to receive. I've had to contend against the Judaizers of the 21st century. Just as Paul had to stand up and contend against the Judaizers from Jerusalem. We have to stand up and contend with the religious world of today that would shrink the gospel. We have to contend for it. Because I promise you there's many, many people that do not believe. I can give you names. And you have to fight for this is the truth. This is the gospel. And you have to do it within yourself. Because even your own mind says this is too good to be true. You have to, have to, and you know what contenders do? Listen, I've been around a few contenders. And contenders go into training. Contenders begin to lift weights. They begin to run. You know, you can't run a marathon without running, walking a mile. You've got to walk the mile before you can run. Contenders develop that faith. They develop their confidence. And they go to work at developing that confidence. And again, you'll never think your way into right living but you can live right and change your thinking. And, and you go to the gym and you do what... See, I haven't got the energy, but... Uh, but you go into training. That's, that's why your pastors looked at you for 36 years and said, what's your regular prayer cycle? What's your regular reading the Bible? What's your, what are your disciplines and your rhythms and your habits that put you in training, that mentor you, to shape you and fold you into this faith so that you have confidence? What is that? I don't do that to earn anybody's approval. I do that because it builds my spiritual awareness of His grace and His mercy and His love. And, and, and unless you move into some kind of rhythm, and, and let me tell you, uh, um, those of you that have children, just so you don't get condemned over this. So if you have 2.3 children and a car payment a half and a house payment and you're both working three jobs, let me tell you, two minutes a day is a lot. Let me tell you, I'm not, I, whatever season of life you're in, your disciplines will fit and match that season. I'm 64, it's a little different. You don't want to try to be a monk and be a mommy at the same time. Because you'll kill the mommy. And I'm serious. But whatever season of life you're in, allow your training to match that season. So, so whatever season of life you're in, you give yourself to the disciplines that can help you develop and be a contender of the faith. And the second thing that that will happen is as you live in a rhythm, as you live in a rhythm of training, you'll find your mind following along behind it. You'll find your mind catching up with your body. Chain, uh, 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 let's do this. Uh, try to frown. Just try to frown. Now grin as big as you can. See, you're not going to do it. You cannot frown and grin at the same time. If you change your body, it'll change your emotion. i prove it to you. Go home, sit and watch Netflix for too long, get up and go walk an hour after that. It'll change your emotions. What are you doing with your body? 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 They're intricately connected. If you change what you're doing with your body, your mind will ultimately follow what you're doing. That's why we tell you, stand up, bend down, kneel, Raise your hands. Clap. Why? Because when you're doing this, when you're doing this, it will alter what's going on. They're connected. How do you contend? Do something with your body. Your brain will begin to follow. And suddenly you'll begin to feel stronger about that faith that you have. 
if you will recognize that Christ is not condemning, and anything that comes to condemn you is not the gospel, if you begin to walk in that con- con- condemnation-free zone, then all of a sudden there will be this confidence that begins to come. And when you feel that confidence, put that confidence in the training. And when you put that confidence in training, uh, Romans will go on and say, you are more than conquerors, but you're champions. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Because spiritual formation doesn't happen like McDonald's. Spiritual formation is more than walking this aisle. Spiritual formation is more. Spiritual formation is a commitment of a life to live in the knowledge that I'm not condemned. To walk in the reality of having confidence in Him. To contending in my own life, in my body. Can I tell you what will happen? In fact, all of you ought to volunteer to let Katie help you. We ought to just be doing four or five groups. Rebecca can help me do these groups. Because when you're contending, you have to identify those areas of your life that are fighting against you. You have to identify down on the inside, what are the emotions that are restricting you from having faith? What are those emotions that are down on the inside of you that are telling you lies about yourself that you need to identify and pull down? Those arguments that raise up. A contender begins to recognize the areas of his body that are weak and he builds muscles in that area. Well, if you're being spiritually formed, you have to be able to recognize those areas where I'm lying to myself. Oh, this is good stuff. See, Easter every year reminds me to reset myself. Reminds me to go back through. Is there any area where I'm condemning me? And generally, if I'm condemning somebody else, I'm condemning me because I don't want to think about me. You get it. If you irritate me, it's because I'm irritated with myself. Uh, Say with me. I, therefore... I am not condemned. I have confidence in Him. I'm contending for my faith. And I'm becoming the champion that He designed me to be. Hallelujah. Let me get some. Oh, have I got time? Anybody remember this guy by the name uh, of Gideon? Gideon was this dude that was in Israel and, and, and the enemy was attacking. And so Gideon took a few pieces of wheat, got down in the wine press. He's grinding up uh, the, the, the bread and he's, he's, going to, he's going to eat it and die. And the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Almighty man of valor, I have chosen you to defeat the enemy. And Gideon goes, me? You're, who, me? Uh, listen. If that's true, where have your miracles been, God? I mean, look at what's happened to us. Where have you been? And let us get in such a mess. And the Lord says to Gideon, uh, go do what I told you to do. Go, go, go free the people. He said, how can I do that? I'm the weakest of all the people. I'm nobody. I can't do this. And he says, go, 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 go do this. That's kind of what I'm telling you. You're sitting in your wine press And God's telling you, I've anointed you. You can free yourself with me. Most people get stuck telling, I'm just little me, me, I can't can't do nothing. Yes, you can. You can use, and it's funny, he he calls all the people together and gets something like 30,000 people together to go fight the enemy. And the Lord says, no, 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 we don't need 30,000. Let's send a bunch of them home. Anybody that's afraid, anybody that says, send them home. 
And so now I think there's like 10,000 or something left. You read the story. It's a great story. And, and, and then he says, no, 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 we still got too many. And he takes them down and, and choose the one that laps like a dog. I mean, you know, what kind of a test is this? Uh, okay, all of you can help if you lap like a dog. If you don't lap like a dog, it's nuts, right? Who knows what's that about? And now we're down to 300. He goes, okay, now we can go take them. And now that we're down to 300, now 300. I guess I don't know how many thousands. Let me put it in real perspective. We're just Ukraine. And all we got is about 300 moms with a rifle. And we're facing Russia that can scud missile from God knows where. I got news for you. You watch. I told you last week, you watch. God's getting ready to do something. Anytime you see somebody trying to step on some little old something, watch out. Now there's 300. And then, and, and, and God says, I'll give you a scud missile. No, he didn't say that. I'll make you the most powerful. No, he doesn't say that. He goes, I want you to go get a candle, put it in a pot, and go get you a gazoo. Here's your candle. Here's your gazoo. And I'm, and I'm going to send you out in front of the enemy. And they surround the enemy. They break the pot. And they blow the kazoo. <laughs> I mean, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. And, and just make some noise. Just make any noise. I can't sing, but as you all know, just make some noise. Knowing and having confidence in God and trusting and obeying Him has a historical preference that comes right out of that scripture. This is if God's called you to do it, if God's spoken to you, He can give you a Bic lighter and a kazoo, and the enemy has to go down. Are you hearing me? There is therefore now no condemnation. You are not the littlest or the least or the last. And even if you are, God will choose the foolish things to confound the wise. You should have confidence in this God. You should develop your muscles in that confidence. Because God wants to make you the champion of the moment. It has manifestations in the 21st century. All you got to do is look a little bit. All you got to do is recognize that what goes on in the world is a cosmic reflection. But what's really happening is up here. It's manifesting down here. Engage in that. Engage in that. And this down here will follow. Look at your neighbor in the eye and say, I do not condemn you. Look at your other neighbor and say, I will not condemn you. This, this truth has so altered my life. I cannot engage today in so many things because it requires me to condemn somebody. And I can't. I can't. It'll alter the way you live. It'll alter the way you speak to one another. It'll alter the way you think about yourself. Yeah, but pastor, what do we do? Well, let this shine, blow that kazoo, and let God do. Right? That's it. Well, that's my message. What have I, I got those three questions, right? Uh, uh, let me, 
Yeah, I'm going to do about this one. Do those stop hiding. Get these three. Stop hiding. Stop hiding out. Have a life of impact. Get in the game. Come, come out of that wine press. Number two, stop making excuses. I'm the littlest. I'm the smallest. I'm the least. Number three, stop focusing on yourself. Focus on somebody else. This is Easter. Recover the gospel. Recover the gospel. Hallelujah. Every eye closed. You already know those areas. You already know those areas where you don't have confidence. Father, in Jesus' name this morning, I speak that that condemnation would be broken. I speak this morning that that unreal self would be revealed. I speak this morning that your light would shine into that darkness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand with us. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.